everybody. Welcome back to Locked On Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It is Thursday, January 9th, 2020, and it is game day for the Vegas Golden Knights. Sixth game of the seven-game homestand is tonight at T-Mobile Arena. The Golden Knights will be taking on the Los Angeles Kings. Welcome back, everybody. I am your host, Danny Webster, Vegas correspondent for NHL.com, site manager for SB Nation's Nights on Ice, NHL columnist for Gaming Today. Uh, I, I'm doing a lot. I, <laughs> so I was uh, I did a uh, radio spot today with a uh, friend and colleague, Brian Blessing, and uh, <laughs> he, he had mentioned uh, before we went on the air, he was all like, you know, uh, I mentioned you were doing gaming today on Twitter. Is there anything else you want to mention? He's like, are you still doing everything else that you're doing? I said, yeah. And he was like, holy crap. I, you know what? I am doing a lot. But you know what? It's a lot of fun. I'm having a blast. And uh, I'm grateful to be doing all that I am doing. And I am hoping that you all are enjoying this show and every other thing that I am doing to this point. So I thank you for that. Uh, we will be breaking down VGK and LAK in a little bit. But first of all, uh, if this is the first time you're listening to this podcast, welcome to you. Uh, we are a daily podcast talking about the Vegas Golden Knights here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, which you can find on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, or wherever you consume your podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at LockdownVGK. You can follow me on Twitter at DannyWebster21. Or if you like sending emails, you can do so to LockdownGoldenKnights at gmail.com. So the homestand is nearing its end. We are at the home stretch of the homestand. Is that really pun intended? I don't don't know. Uh, But in any event, it is uh, game six of the seven-game homestand tonight for the Golden Knights. Uh, Coming off that 4-3 loss to the Pittsburgh Penguins on Tuesday, Vegas will look to rebound against its division rival, the Los Angeles Kings, in the third meeting between the two this season, the first time they are meeting each other at T-Mobile Arena this season. Uh, Season series obviously tied at one game apiece. The last time the Golden Knights saw the Kings, uh, the Golden Knights were in their little stretch of um, mediocrity, I guess you can say. They had a they lost to the Kings in L.A. four to three. Malcolm Subban was in net, and Vegas had to rally to tie the game, and really couldn't generate anything else after that. Uh, so it has been it has been a little bit since the Golden Knights met the Kings, and it has been a little bit since the Golden Knights actually had some success against the Kings. You have to date back all the way to earlier in the season when Vegas was went into L.A. and dominated on the power play to win that game. Uh, The Kings are playing the second game of a back-to-back. They lost 2-1 at home to the Dallas Stars on Wednesday night. Uh, The Kings led 1-0 at the end of the first period until they gave up two goals in 37 seconds to lose to the Red Hot Stars, who, by the way, uh, since we're not really going to mention them at the, uh, the look around the league, the Dallas Stars have won five straight games, and in all five of those wins... They've had to rally from being down, and I think it started with what being down two nothing against Arizona, and it's led all the way now to five straight wins, having to rally in each of those wins. So good on the Stars uh, for uh, keeping pace in the Central and keeping the, and trying to uh, lock up that home ice advantage as we enter the second half of the season. Uh, but back to what this podcast really is about, and that is about the Golden Knights, who will be trying to again go to five and one on this seven game homestand. Um, 
I would really be shocked if we saw Jonathan Quick for on when it comes to the Kings in the lineup tonight. He made 30 saves last night. Um, I would expect probably Jack Campbell. I believe Jack Campbell is actually playing. I'd have to look at that just to be sure. But uh, the Kings obviously coming in to this game uh, dead last in the West, one point behind the Ducks for second to last in the Western Conference, if that is even a thing. Um, so obviously this is another instance where I talked about it against Pittsburgh. I thought that game could have been more of a trap game because the Penguins are playing well, but they really didn't have all of their guys, um, ready and willing to go. And so far, I mean, the Penguins are, you know, climbing up the, the, uh, Eastern conference standings. This is another instance where the Golden Knights really can't afford to uh, let their foot off the gas. The Kings obviously are not good right now, and they haven't been good for a while. But these division games usually bring out the best in the teams that are at the bottom of the basement, and it just so happens, the Kings being at the bottom of the basement, they are always up for facing these Golden Knights who, you know, the Golden Knights have really had their number for the first three years of their existence. So... Uh, this is not going to be, this could, this should be a win. I mean, it's, it's obvious that the Golden Knights should win this game, but you go back into looking at Tuesday, how the Penguins had four goals on 16 shots, given how Marc-Andre Fleury struggled in that game, given how the defense struggled in that game, you're likely not wanting to allow that to happen again. If you get, if you get my drift. So the Golden Knights cannot afford to let their foot off the gas heading into this game. Uh, I do believe that this is some prime time to get Malcolm Subban in net, uh, especially in these last two games. Um, Flurry has allowed at least four goals in his last three starts. Um, some of it his fault, some of it not his fault. Um, but the fact that he has allowed four goals in three consecutive games and somehow Vegas has escaped to be two and one in that stretch uh, I think it would be some prime time to get Malcolm Subban some run. And I think these two, these last two games are very good cases to do that against the Kings tonight and against the Blue Jackets on Saturday. Uh, and this way, you get Flurry ready for the four-game road stretch before the All-Star break. Obviously, you're not going to have Flurry in the All-Star game. So get him as much uh, rest as you can while still playing him in these next four road games and then have him rest up for the break, and then he serves as one-game suspension, and everything is okie-dory if you're, if you're Vegas. So you think of it that way, and I think that's how Vegas should go, but I've been wrong before when it comes to evaluating this roster on its game day. It's likely not going to happen uh, in that sense. As far as the lineup goes, uh, Jonathan Marshall will remain a game-time decision at the time of this recording. Uh, Gerard Gallant did say that this is likely going to be a game-time decision, for Marshall, if he can't go, I'd expect the same lineup as Tuesday with uh, Stevenson at the top with Carlson and Smith, uh, Stasny line reunited with Pacioretty and Stone, and then third line of Carrier, Eakin, and Tuck, and then Nosek, Waugh, Reeves on the fourth line. Pairings, I'd expect to stay the same unless John Merrill slides into the lineup. Uh, it's really kind of funny how John Merrill has not been in the lineup the last couple of games um, since scoring that goal against Philadelphia as the fourth line forward. Um, but it, it is what it is, and that is exactly what I expect. And I would expect Malcolm Subban to be in the lineup tonight. But again, 
I've been wrong on many fronts when it comes to that lineup. So puck drop tonight, I believe, is it at 7 o'clock. Same bat time, same bat channel, meaning AT&T Sportsnet at 7 o'clock tonight. Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM, Golden Knights, and the Kings. So I wanted to talk today about the coaching landscape in the NHL. Uh, in the midst of Peter Laviolette's firing the other day from the Nashville Predators, making it the sixth coaching change in the league as we enter the halfway mark in this season. The fact that we are reaching the midway point and 20% of the league's coaches have been fired is really kind of remarkable and really kind of stupid, if you ask me. Um, You know, I touched on it yesterday. Maybe it wasn't the right time for the Predators to fire Laviolette. They're not that far out in the wild card race. Maybe they needed a change. Maybe they lost control of the locker room. I don't know. But Laviolette, I feel like, is a guy that is a really good coach in this league. He's going to find another job at some point. But it's not really more so the whole landscape of the coaching carousel in the NHL that I wanted to focus on. Primarily, this has to do with the Golden Knights and how luck, I guess you can say the word lucky, maybe fortunate, maybe grateful that Gerard Gallant has panned out the way that he has. Um, and it's not even just the winning that Gallant has kind of solidified his role with this team. Because there have been teams this year that have still won, a la Dallas, Jim Montgomery, that have won, that have been winning, and they still moved on from their coach. Now, obviously, you know, I'm not comparing, you know, the firing of a coach because obviously Montgomery's come out and said he's been dealing with alcohol problems and this, that, and the other thing. So obviously there are circumstances that um, that kind of offset that. But when you look at the Golden Knights, it's not even just the winning. It's not even just the fact that they've been to a Stanley Cup final They've been to the playoffs back-to-back years. They're likely going to make the playoffs a third straight year and have a really good chance of winning the Pacific Division for the second time in three years. It's, it goes beyond that. It goes to the fact that the Golden Knights from day one have established a culture, that culture being they are going to find the right guys for the job or for the team. They're going to find the right coaches for the, for the team, and they're going to do whatever they can to keep that culture going for as long as they can. And along with establishing that they want the character guys to be in the locker room, they have made it clear that they want the right guys at the helm leading the charge. And Gerard Gallant has been that guy for Vegas now for three years. And, you know, the Golden Knights did a very odd thing by not revealing his contract details. That That's one of the weird things that I that I think has kind of gone a little unnoticed is that his contract is not out there in the world. I mean, you see all these other guys come out with, you know, big money contracts and teams are signing coaches to contracts for long appended time. We don't know how long Gerard Gallant's contract really is. Like you talk to anybody within the organization, you talk to anybody, any of my colleagues who cover the team. And that's the one thing that no one really knows. No one really knows how long he signed on for. No one knows how much he's getting paid. But I think it's safe to say that through, you know, two and a half seasons now, I don't think the Golden Knights could have picked any any better of a coach. And 
I think the good thing about it is with the Golden Knights is that even if they weren't winning, if they weren't where they were here in year three, I still think Gallant would be the right coach for this team. You know, players want to play for him. You know, he's a player's coach. I, I think, uh, you know, you you talk to players around the league, they they want to play for him. You talk to the guys in the locker room, they have nothing but respect for their coach. Uh, he has really commanded the control of the locker room. He's not a guy that's going to um, really get in the player's face. He's not really going to kind of coach them up and go rah, rah, shish, goombah. He is a guy that knows what to expect from his players, and they go out and do their job. And I know that sounds like a lot of coach cliche, a lot, a lot of coach talk, but that that's really what it is. I mean, there there are times like, for example, uh, in the Blues game when Vegas rallied down three to win uh, in overtime on Saturday against the Champs. You know, I think it was phrased two different times to uh, to Gallant. Um, what was the message in the locker room? And. Gerard Gallant really didn't have well. He he had a message, couldn't really repeat it on on live TV. But um, he doesn't have to say a lot because I think he knows what to expect of his players in this current time frame and in the situation. The players know how to respond to him, and I think that's what's made you know him so successful. That's what's made the Golden Knights so successful. And that is kind of the underlying message that the Golden Knights have just prided themselves on finding character guys, uh, in enlisting character guys from the players, to the coaches, to the management. They they have prided themselves on doing this, and throughout all the coaching hoopla and throughout all the coaching change in the last year, year and a half, the one constant has been Gerard Gallant. And I think I mentioned it about a couple weeks ago. Um, that the three there are only three coaches left in the Pacific Division from when the Golden Knights took over, or when the Golden Knights entered the league. There are only three coaches left in the Pacific Division that are there since the Golden Knights entered the league. Rick Tockett for the, for the Coyotes, Travis Green of the Canucks, and Gerard Gallant. Those are those are the only three. And I meant and I made the joke that, you know, by the time the Coyotes move over to the Central and the and Seattle comes over, they're gonna be uh he's he's likely going to be the longest tenured coach in the Pacific division. And that, and the fact that that we're, we're talking about that is kind of hilariously ridiculous at the same time. Um, but this is just another instance where I could just go on and on and say how much the Florida Panthers goofed by letting him go. I, I, the Gallant leaving or Gallant getting fired by Florida was one of the, was another instance where teams, just hit the panic button. And that's what, and that's what I said about Laviolette. I feel like the Predators hit the panic button because you can't just win a president's trophy. You can't get to a Stanley cup final and just all of a sudden just forget all that and fire your coach and say, Oh, well we got to change the course here. The golden Knights were six in the Pacific division at one point this year. And I mean, a lot of people writing them off. I almost wrote them off, but I'm, I, I, there's a difference between writing them off and, ex- and expressing your frustration with the team. I, I was frustrated at what they were doing because 25 games in, they should not be where they are. But they've stayed patient. 
And I think last year was another instance, too, where they stayed patient. The Golden Knights stayed patient even when Nate Schmidt was suspended. They stayed patient. They stayed the course. And they were able to ride the wave back to the playoffs. And they almost made it out of the first round. This time around, the Golden Knights were underperforming and weren't winning a lot of games. They stayed patient. Then one buzzer-beating goal in Nashville later, they've taken off. And that really has been the the change. It's like, that's I, I always say, this is why they play 82 games, and this is another example of that. They play 82 games for a reason, and this is why. Because there's so much time and so much hockey to be played, and as a result, the Golden Knights are now tied for first in the Pacific, and it's going to be a neck-and-neck race with Arizona all the way through. And that is a huge testament to Gerard Gallant, and what he's been able to do for the last two and a half years now, he's going to be coaching the all-star team. Uh, well, whether he wants to coach the all-star team or not, he's coaching the all-star team. And that is just another example of just how good he's been. And the Golden Knights, I feel, should be extremely fortunate that they have found the right guy for the job and the right guy for the future for the next five, ten years. Maybe longer than that if Vegas can keep winning like this. Um so I think I think that given all this coaching hoopla, giving all this coaching change, it, it's just another reminder that the Golden Knights have lucked out with the guys that they have, and they've got the right coach for the job. And I don't think you can find another coach right now that if you were putting him in this organization, could we easily say that another coach would be able to take this team where it wants to go? Honestly, I don't know. So only two games on the docket. Well, we already talked about the the other one, the Kings and the Stars. We kind of touched on it already, but only other two games on the docket around the league before we get out of here. Uh, One of them being the Philadelphia Flyers improving to 13-2-4 at home this year with a 3-2 victory over the Washington Capitals. Uh, Kevin Hayes with a shorthanded goal in the second period to break the tie. And the Flyers went on to get the victory. Uh, Alex Ovechkin only four shots on goal, which I say only because I just remember that Max Pacioretty had nine shots on goal the other night. So another instance where shots on goal may be a bit of a skewed stat. Uh, But the Flyers, just when you think that they're kind of on a little bit of a steep decline, they come right back after... Back-to-back overtime losses, or they lost 5-4 to Vegas, I mean, in regulation, and they lost to the, to the Hurricanes in overtime. Um, but back-to-back losses, and they come right back, and they beat the top team in the league. So who are we to judge right now with the Flyers, what they do? They're, they're still par for the course and possibly going to make the playoffs, which is going to be a very interesting team to watch if they continue to be on this uh, this offensive trajectory that they're on right now. So big win for the Flyers uh, over the Capitals. And then the Jets beat the Leafs 4-3 to in a shootout. Um, Austin Matthews scored his 30th goal of the season, becoming the first American-born player to score 30 goals in four consecutive seasons and the first Leafs player to do so in that team's history, which is ridiculous. Um, but Toronto loses back-to-back games. Uh, 6-4 loss to Edmonton the other day, and now uh, losing in a shootout to a Jets team that desperately needed this win to uh, keep pace in the wildcard race in the Western Conference. So those are your only games on the docket 
So if you were hoping for a bigger look around the league, um, not sure you were going to get it at this time. Um, so big games there, or big, two games there. And then how many games are tomorrow? Like it's a Thursday, so there's usually like 10 or 12 games uh, tomorrow. So we'll have more to talk about around the league uh, when we get to tomorrow. Uh, So that is going to do it for tonight, everybody. Tonight, today, again, I mean, I'm recording this at 1.07 a.m., so it kind of is tonight. Um, So we will be back tomorrow to break down how the Golden Knights did against the Kings. And uh, another, just another teaser about the big thing coming up possibly next week. Um, It is looking like it is more likely going to happen. So stay tuned for that. I will continue to tease it until we officially get the official confirmation. Um, But it is likely going to happen. That's all I can say. Stay tuned. It's going to be fun. Um, We'll be back tomorrow to discuss VGK in LA and uh, we'll take a look around the league and we'll uh, do this all over again tomorrow. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for your support is greatly appreciated. Uh, I am Danny Webster. This has been Locked on Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And we'll see you tomorrow. Have a good one.